Welcome to Minister's Life and Work, brought to you by Bob Yunker. A Minister's Life and Work podcast strives to provide you with solid content with clarity and relevancy, providing you clear options of application to our culture and with an eternal purpose. We'll touch on a variety of discussions and topics that revolve around my life and work as a minister of a small rural church in Eastern Oregon. Some of these topics may include the Bible, the news, church culture, marriage, parenting, billiards, running, and even include some reviews of books I've been reading. I'll try to end each episode with three life applications. Let's begin. Well, here we are. We're with Diane and Kelly, Kelly McCracken and Diane on. Last week at our podcast, dealt with some anxieties and fears and so on. And today's the podcast is going to deal with a very sensitive subject matter that for me, it is a little bit, it's sensitive, it's real. It is a place for me that uh, I know I'm going to be touched by our conversations. I've got Kelly McCracken and Diane on with me. And so Kelly, you say hello. Hello. Good afternoon. And Diane, you say the same thing. Hello, good afternoon. And so with Kelly and Diane, uh, Diane is here with us and she has been diagnosed with idiopathic gastro severe uh, gastroparesis, correct? Yes. Before we get into our conversations uh, and how deep we're going to go, tell us what is idiopathic gastroparesis, the severe diagnosis of it. Idiopathic means that they have no idea what caused the gastroparesis. And there's stages you have. Um, you're mild, you're moderate, and you're severe. And severe is when the stomach no longer works. It doesn't contract, move your food. It's basically 100% paralyzed. And that's where I'm at with this disease. So you said paralyzed. So your the body is unable to break down, create new nutrients for your body. Correct. Correct. And so does that just affect just the stomach or the large, small intestines? It's just gastro. The entire GI tract is in, uh, affected by it. Okay. And one of the things this disease has done to me was also create uh, colitis. And diverticulosis. And the intestines start slowing down and not working right. And then your colon doesn't work right. Gotcha. So it it affects everything digestively, right? Since you're listening, I'm in Kelly and Diane's house. And so they have a few dogs. They have a beautiful home that's completely been remodeled. I'm not inviting you over by any stretch because that's weird. But Kelly had remodeled uh, her bathroom and using galvanized tin. Is that right? And and with a, a livestock tank. Yes. And so uh, that's as far as I'm going to go because I don't want to sort of a private uh, conversation about where she lives and and so on. But she has dogs and cats, a few of them, and she has some guinea pigs. We're going to make it real. I'm in their home. Diane, if, if you need to excuse yourself for whatever reason, please, you know, I can edit it or whatever the case is. But we're going to be pretty real. Before we get into Diane's circumstances, Kelly, you are taking care of Diane. But yeah. this isn't a stranger. This isn't just like someone who you applied to be a caregiver for, correct? Correct. This is your what, best friend, almost like yes. a sister? Yes, Diane has been, um, uh, we have uh, known each other for the last 15 plus years, and uh, we actually met in Texas, which was two states ago from where I live now. Um, 
she has been uh, a great adventuring partner with me. Uh, she was also there when my husband passed away. Quite literally, she was visiting. Mm. And so she means a lot to me. So when um, she called me and told me that she was going to check herself into a nursing home to receive care because she had nowhere to go, I um, just blatantly said, well, sounds like you should come out here. Yeah. And uh, I will take care of you. So here she is. Wow. All the way from Ohio. Ohio. So I was going to say, when you got that phone call, where was Diane living in Ohio? Well, I was living uh, with my sister. She uh, um, had bought a home, and I was going to move from Texas to Ohio, and I thought I'd get my own apartment. But she didn't have a husband. The kids were all grown up and gone. So she wanted me to share her house with her, and she was lonely. And I said immediately, I said yes. <laughs> You mentioned your husband. Yes. And and Diane was with you when literally when he passed away. Yes. Uh, caregiving for you is something that's not anything new. You've done caregiving? No. I, yes. I took care of my in-laws, one with Alzheimer's, one with dementia, late stages. And then my husband was sick for six years with cancer before he yeah. passed away. And um, I tout myself as I'm not a caregiver. <laughs> Yet, somehow, I fall into that role quite frequently. Yeah. Um, I took care of my mom for six months after I moved back here, and now Diane. Wow. No, I do not look for that opportunity. No, it's not like you're signed up for it, no. but it is It is interesting, because you and I have had those conversations regarding caregiving. It's not what you've wanted, but God has uh, designed it that in circumstances and journeys of your life, you've uh-huh. literally rolled up the sleeves yes. and... Uh, then what has to be done. Yeah. And that's um, me being part of uh, home health and hospice as a chaplain. I've got uh, a little bit uh, involved with that process, but it's different regarding a loved one. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's like a job, but this isn't a job. This is just a place where God has you to to continue the relationship, but just looks different. Mm-hmm. It's a journey. It's an adventure. Yeah, you use the word adventure, and we're going to go down that road uh, today on the adventure because this is an adventure. You, yes. I, I approached Diane and Kelly uh, uh, some about a week ago, less than a week ago, about this opportunity, and I don't know where it will where it will go. I have some ideas, but this is going to be an adventure as well as we discuss the realities of passing away. Um, dying and and so you, this gastroparesis, the severe diagnosis, what makes this uh, terminal? Um, are there treatments and w- why is this terminal or is there surgeries? Walk us through because uh, I don't fully. We talked a little bit, but this is terminal. Yes. What makes it terminal for you? What's making it terminal for me, I have 170 allergies to medication. Mm. So they first try to treat it with medicine. Unfortunately, the medicines they want to use causes severe anaphylaxis shock. So they can't do that. The other options are surgeries. You have a gastric um, stimulator. Um, The gastric stimulator wasn't an option. Because my gastroparesis was not caused by uncontrolled diabetes. And that gastro um, gastric stimulator works well for those who have 
gastroparesis that was brought on and caused by uncontrolled diabetes for many years. Um, Surgery, um, I did qualify and was a candidate for what they call the POP procedure, also known as pyloroplasty. Um, However, after, at my post-op visit, the doctor told me that um, because the pylorus was so tiny and so thin that the surgery wouldn't hold. They were hoping to buy me a year, mm. um, but that it would fail in five to six months. The surgery has failed. Gotcha. Um, two feedings to sustain me are not an option because everyone gets infections from tube feedings mm. and there's multiple surgeries to go back in and take them out, put new ones in, and I have other health issues that prevent them from doing multiple surgeries, like three or five a month. There's no way I can do that. Um, so tube feedings was out because every antibiotic there is to treat that type of infection puts me in anaphylaxic shock, and I do have to be revived. Gotcha. And that's what makes it terminal. It's the symptoms from gastroparesis Mm. and the complications that make you terminal. A lot of people live for many years with this. Right, right. But I don't fall into that category. Gotcha, gotcha. Which, when you say don't fall in that category, I imagine that your circumstance is very rare. Yes. Like, there's not a lot of people that are... you. Quite a few people may experience gastroparesis, but under your circumstance, it's a you're an oddity. If, right. I don't know. Correct. I don't know if that's the right word, oddity. But what was the doctor's timeline? You know, when cancers and so on, you've heard stage three, stage fours, and then all of a sudden doctors will say, "Well, you have six months, eighteen months, uh, five years. You can live the quality of life of this." And so the hard question that I have, and people are maybe are not wanting to hear, but the reality is, what have you been told regarding your circumstance as far as a timeline? What What's that? Well, in January, Kelly and I were told that I had about two to three months, no more than three months. Um, now we're already into February, so I have about two months, yep. two and a half maybe, but more like two months. Gotcha. I'm in fact, doctor uh, told me yesterday that I am at the end of my rope. End of your rope. Hmm. So Kelly, when you when you were on that appointments and so on, and you brought Diane home much earlier, what? How did that sink in for you when when you're been told that, or you heard that about your best friend? It's. It's difficult. Um, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of different emotions that play into it. Um, sorrow, anger, um, discernment with, with regards to how if it's really true or not. Mm. Um, a lot of deniable, um, a lot of deniability. Yeah. It's, uh, in fact, I'm still denying some of it. Um, she's talking about going on hospice, and I'm like. You're not ready for hospice. We've right. got adventures to go on. So right. it is it's difficult. It's it's really hard and there have been a lot of tears shed and a lot of a lot of talk about about process. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's rough. It's it's and it's not my first rodeo, so you would think I would be used to it, but you don't get used to that. Losing someone you love is never an easy thing. Well, how you just said that is you should never get used to it. You don't want to be a pro. No. You want to be a pro. Yeah. Um, and I think what's also difficult too is that Diane, you're you're walking, you're you're able to go. You just went to Leavenworth, Washington. Saw some beautiful scenery there. It's not like you're incapacitated or you're laying in bed. You're you're capable. You're able to do stuff. And that's what probably it's like makes it a little unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you do research. We talked about this some time ago. You did your research on this. You. Yeah, go ahead. For 10 months, I researched gastroparesis. I've always been the type of person, like when I was diagnosed with um, triple negative, stage 3, almost stage 4 cancer, and given only a 3% chance of surviving chemo, my attitude, okay, we got a problem. It's just a glitch in the road. How do we fix this? Yeah. Because this is cramping my style. Let's move <laughs> on. I want my adventures. And that's the mentality I've always taken. But what I found out after 10 months of research from around the world that I have read and from the best doctors, there is no cure. That's what I came down with. Mm. And the disease, the symptoms and complications, you're basically starving to death. Wow. So while I pick out, she sits here and starves. Starves. Well, now we're going to get to some of the rolling up the sleeve stuff because you starve. Um, what does a day look like? Uh, here we are in the afternoon, and we chose this because mornings could be rough. So you just share as much as you feel comfortable with, uh, but uh, I think some of individuals don't realize what can what this looks like and some of the mental and physical things you go through. So what does a typical day looks like? Usually in the morning I wake up, I'm extremely nauseated. Um, I wake up any time of the night throwing up um, and extreme thirst a lot. If I try to eat food, I generally throw it up in a few minutes after. Um, once in a while I can keep a little bit down. But what's happening, the next day I get up, I will throw that food up because it has no place to go. The surgery failed, so it can't drop down mm -hmm. through the hole of the pylorus. And their stomach, intestines, and the colon just aren't moving things along anymore. So my day looks like that. Um, what's happened, I am suffering from malnutrition, from not being able to eat and very sick from being dehydrated because I can't even keep water down most days. So with the malnutrition and dehydration, it was feeding off the fat of my body, but I didn't realize until today that I dropped 80 pounds. Gotcha. And it's no longer feeding off my muscles. It's now attacking my bones. Mm. And from what I understand from my PCP, it's very much like someone having bone cancer. That pain is excruciating. And my day is filled with so much pain. Days I can't get out of bed. I can't walk because my legs hurt too bad to stand. 
and losing the mobility in my right hand, uh, in my left shoulder, my range of motion has decreased quite a bit. And if I don't have, if I've eaten things, sometimes you just get diarrhea. Mm. And you don't know when you're going to throw up. You don't know when that's going to hit. You don't know when you're going to feel dizzy and want to black out. Because I'm no longer eating, um, a lot of medicines have been pulled because they just don't serve a purpose anymore. Gotcha. So do you, uh, when we're done here, are you pretty much exhausted, pretty tired? I'm ex- I'm extremely tired. After okay. I'm up three hours, I'm tired. I, yeah. I, my body's tired. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. And, and I wish I could fall asleep and not have to have all the pain I'm at. But yes, I'm extremely tired. And, and a few hours a day is about all I get in that are good. Gotcha. If that, some days. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Kelly, how about for you? you? You know, for Diane's going through her day, you know, what's your day look like for her, caretaking for her in response to all of the stuff that she's experiencing? Well, I try to make her as comfortable as possible. I... um she she moved her her own mattress in so that she has more comfort that way. But um, as far as chill being um, throwing up things like that, I have to make sure that she is uh, um, has her emesis basin or the toilet available or whatever. I try to cook for her and get her entice her to eat something. Um, I shop for her. Uh, it's just um, uh, yeah, I help her with her her bathing. Um, clean up, uh, just laundry. Um, it's just a, it's a caregiver's, you know, you just do the housework and the, the heavy lifting for someone who's ill. Um, I check on her quite frequently. We spend a lot of time in conversation, making plans, um, uh, these days plans for, for the end, but nonetheless, there's still plans and there's adventure in that. Even it's a lot of learning curve too. It's, you know, nobody's the same. So caregiving for one is, different from the other so it's just trying to keep her as comfortable as possible i've scaled back on a lot of my other things that i do um but still diane insists that i get away you know and go to meetings or you know whatever i'm doing in a day and so it's um she gives me a lot of freedom where other people wouldn't but um she is insistent on that she still tries to make arrangements to be transported by other means so that you know i'm not tied down to keeping sure. keeping the road hot between here and the doctor's office or wherever um but no she's an easy keeper i mean i don't have to cook much for her sure right <laughs> right right but i um i i really feel that as caregivers that's a 24 7 job they need a break they need somebody else to come here and sit with me they need to get out they need to do things in, and get that breather and just relax. Do something they enjoy, you know. And I feel that's important. And I want to make sure Kelly has that. I mean, she's my dearest friend. I don't want this to burn her out and stress her out. She's got to take care of herself emotionally and mentally too, right? And spiritually. That's I see that. Again, we use the word adventure. Tell us an adventure that you and, and Kelly have been on that, uh, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. We had some laughter. So you've, you've had some road trips that you guys have made it alive, made it out alive. You haul trucks. So so tell us uh, an adventure, that because this is what really, 
is the theme that that I'm just so adopting and 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 hugging and keeping my grasp on is the adventure. So tell what's an adventure that 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 you and Kelly have been on? <laughs> okay, my Kelly's got one or two I'd like to have her tell. My favorite adventure with Kelly was I came to visit. I flew home. 10, 20 hours later, Kelly's on the phone, asked me to come back. And she told me what's going on, going on, and I said, I'll be there. Unpacked a suitcase, washed clothes, repacked, got on the plane the next day, and headed back to Southern California. Now well, I was homeless. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so things transpired that Kelly no longer had a place out. to live. So we, and maybe most people wouldn't do this, but this is how we are. It's adventure. Life's an adventure. Yeah. Grab onto these opportunities and enjoy them. But what we did, we spent our day down on the beach in Oceanside, California. Oh, yes. Yeah. Every then, day. Every day, day we did this. All day. And we'd stop and go place to pick up food or, or bring it back. And then at night, because we didn't want to spend our money on hotel, we wanted to have fun with that money. <laughs> we slept in the car at the Amtrak station in Oceanside because we felt protected there. <laughs> and then we'd get up the next morning and i have to have my coffee first thing. So Kelly would get up and we'd run off to get my coffee, get our breakfast, and head to the beach. We'd pack up ice, again. fruit, whatever we needed. And we lived down there. And we would shower at the beach with the outside shower and wash our hair. Or we'd bathe in the ocean. Wow. <laughs> that was one play of the Yahtzee and we did all this, day. We, yeah, and play Yahtzee on the beach all day. This was one of the most fun adventures I've ever been on with her. I truly loved it, and we did this for a week. <laughs> a week. We lived on the beach. Oh, you're homeless. You're beach bums for a week. <laughs> yes. Really? Sure. And you use the Amtrak uh, train station as yes. its your security. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And I'd like yeah. for Kelly, she's got a couple, but... What are some adventures that you can recall that you and Diane been on? Diane and I and another girl from our office, because we all work together, had my husband, who was a pilot, and we owned a small plane. He flew us down to Nolens, Louisiana, yeah. <laughs> for Mardi Gras. And um, he took a picture of us next to the plane when we got there, and we were all smiles, and just happy for the adventure, but uh, he wanted no part of it, so he flew home and left us there to our own devices for a few days. Um, Is that because he knew he knew that this adventure that you two were going to be on was just going to be totally... Yes. <laughs> so he yes. like left, Plus, left you two. Yes. Plus, I, being the person I am, say, hey, we need beverages and we need snacks. Yes. So I put together a snack tray made a big, tall container of the pump-type container of margaritas. And I put my hand up to my mouth like a speaker, and I said, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We will now begin our beverage <laughs> And you pumped it in your mouth. <laughs> like that picture when we got to Mardi Gras. <laughs> we were three sheets to the wind. <laughs> everyone but the pilot. Yes, everyone but okay, the pilot. Okay, so you get to New Orleans. Nolens, how are you? How? She rents us this this stretch SUV limo, oh my and goodness. so we are we uh, go to our seedy hotel. This was a last minute trip, so with Mardi Gras you don't get a nice hotel if you don't make it a year in advance. So we 
went to our seedy hotel in our nice limo and unpacked and you know the tiles were cracking in the ceiling and well, I found decon behind the the oh. dresser. It was seedy. And when, yeah. when you took a shower, the ceiling of the shower fell the down on your head. <laughs> so you had to wash yeah. your hair. So you had to wash your hair again and yes. again. Yeah, but um, it got cold that year. It was down to freezing, which is nothing here in Harney County, but it was cold there. And uh, so as we were making our way back to the hotel, we were standing out trying to hail a cab in 32-degree weather. Um and thankfully, we were all female, or they would never have picked us up. But um, three days, uh, however many days after that, we got back to the airplane. My husband did come and rescue us and uh, took a picture of us, and we didn't look very good. It looked like when you left the yeah. airplane. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, oh, was, even worse. <laughs> even worse. Yeah, we were, uh, yeah. But, oh, uh, that was just a great adventure, you know, and it was always a. Spur of the moment, never planned. Um, let's go do something stupid and crazy and see if we can't get into trouble. Yeah. And we managed to do Managed that. not get in trouble or um, you managed to survive? We survived, of course, yeah. yeah. But uh, she's always been my my great adventurer. I'm always, always something. She's always game. That's, I guess, you know, anything stupid I can conjure up and she's she's all for it. But Mardi Gras was her idea. No, it was yours. Yes. Yeah, it was yours. And we had a blast. And I think the last great adventure was um, when the tire flew off. Off of the horse trailer. That was around the same time because I was moving from California up to Oregon, taking all my horse tech and the horses and, and everything up to my daughter in Utah. And so we were in Utah, almost almost there, and suddenly the tire flies off of the horse oh. trailer, and I, you know, I felt it, and so I said, what on earth was that? I look in the rearview mirror, it had gone across traffic, hit the side of the mountain, flew back across the road, and went down into a gully on the other side of a, of a guardrail. So we pull over, of course, and no cell phone service. And so um, Diane has a video of me. Um, I went and retrieved that tire oh. because I knew no one would believe me. Yeah. And so I got that tire out of the gully and I had a little sundress on and I came down the, the, the road pushing that tire, tire along and singing a, uh, you were singing a, a Christian, Christian song, you yeah. know, about, I don't know, it was a gospel sister sing down in Cali at the church. But nonetheless, Diane thought that was hysterical and she was terrified. So she flagged some guys down to come and rescue us and... <laughs> Eventually, I called my son-in-law. He made arrangements, got the horse trailer. It was fine, but yeah, that was a fun one too. Because <laughs> I think we slept in the car quite a bit on that one. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Mm-hmm. We guys have found comfort in sleeping in such odd. Yes. You know, at least cars. You figure out how to make oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Cars. There's a song that Steve Curtis Chapman sings. Uh, this is like in the late. Was it late '90s? No, early '90s. Called the Great Adventure, and. Uh, I'll make sure that sometime I'll let you guys listen to it. Talk okay. about a great That'd adventure. It's a, it just reminds me what you guys are doing. See, Chris Chapman is a Christian artist who just does a great job. Um, speaking of Christian stuff, so when you got the news that number one gastroparesis was severe, is is where you're headed, the diagnosis that you have X amount of um, months or, or whatever, how has that 
changed or enhanced or modified or transformed your prayer life. I've got uh, really attached to you in our prayer times. When we pray, it's poof. But how has this process impacted your prayer life? I I always prayed for everyone else. Mm. I am I have been praying for myself. Mm. I have been praying for the others around me as well. Gotcha. My friends and family and loved ones. Um but you know what, Pop? I feel like I am on the greatest adventure of my life. Mm. This has gone beyond anything killing I've done. Mm. And I know this is gonna sound strange to a lot of listeners. Mm. I am not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going to go. God Mm. came to me in a coma, an 11-day coma, and he told me, I will come for you one more time. And I spoke with him for 11 days. We walked, and when God grabbed my left hand and held my hand, the love, the warmth, I have never felt anything like this. It went through my entire body and soul. I can't explain it that would do it just in a way that would do it justice. Right. But I know then there is a God for sure. If there was any ever any doubt, I knew for sure. People, you're missing it. Mm. He's real. Yeah. But and this is the strange part and strange comment. I'm excited to die. Mm. I'm not afraid of it. How many people get to speak with God and know that God's going to be waiting there with open arms. You're welcomed into heaven. He's there for you. That, this adventure I'm on and processing everything and everything I'm going through, I'm on the greatest adventure. I'm going to be with God in heaven. Why would I not be excited? Wow. I think it took a while for you to get to that point, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Sure. It took many, a lot of prayers. Sure. Well, and and uh, you mentioned a lot of, you know, a lot of tears. You a lot know, of tears. There are tears. A lot um, of hugs. You would use the word uh, in, in this process for you, Kelly, about denial. You know, that that process. And uh, is this really happening or, you know, there's got to be another way. Um, and that can go in a, a, a realm of, influencing your viewpoint of God to like, you know what, if God, you know, I've walked with you this in my life. Now the inevitable question is why, why me? Why her? If you're so loving and kind, what's the deal? And so uh, prayer can be pretty raw and pretty ugly and pretty booger crying types. And so how has that in, in, impacted you, Kelly, or, or watching Diane and listening to her prayers and your prayers? How has this been transformed in, in the realness of your prayers? I have been, I have always been a Christian since I was very small. I was not a practicing Christian mm. until my husband died and I turned my back on God and said, I'm done. And I meant mm. it. Mm. I started looking into Buddhism and doing other things. But during that process... God made it evident to me that he was chasing me down, that I was being pursued to mm. come back. And there were a couple of, of uh, instances, um, occurrences that had happened that made me realize how real God is. And I started believing that 
I didn't need to trust anything else. Hmm. That I just put all my trust in God to see me through. And he has. I I came here with the intent of not staying. But um, God has made me see otherwise. And I'm still here three years later. Hmm. But I'm very faithful in my prayer. I I know he has a reason. We've asked for healing with Diane. Hmm. And... Um, I think that she rallies, but I, I kind of believe that this is the one time he's coming for her and I trust that process. I don't, I don't deny that process anymore. Gotcha. Um, hmm. watching it isn't fun, but the challenge of finding the sweetness in it, um, the courage, the, the joy in it is where we're at. Yeah. Just trying to make the days meaningful and um, pursuing what fun we can have is an adventure in itself. So my prayers, um, yeah, I fervently pray, pray a lot. And I've become much better at it. It's a much more mature line of prayer, um, which just comes from sure. you know, your faith. But um, I haven't doubted it at all. I, I, I know he's got a reason. Um, whatever that reason is, I don't know. Huh. May cool. never know, but um, she's still here for a reason. Yeah. Well, that's part of God's plan, and I believe that he is definitely 100% in control. Um, and I really feel that he's given me a wonderful opportunity. L- let me tell you about something about yeah. that happened here with Dini Kelly. And a meeting with Misty, and I don't know who else was on that meeting. It was a, I'm on the board for PMC. Oh, yes, um, yes, for yes. For the yeah. nonprofit yeah. that Misty Porter has. Uh-huh. Um, so we had a board meeting that was a Zoom meeting. Oh, gotcha. And, you know, like I said, there are always people in this house, so I just sat down and had my board meeting with yeah. people sitting here, and that's the, the occurrence she's talking about. Okay. And I'm listening to them. They're making plans for an April they're making plans for June. And I sat here and watched and listened to all of them interact about their plans. It I wasn't mad or angry. Sure. I felt blessed because I got to see that their lives are going to go on. I got to see that they're going to be okay. I see. Right, right. Okay. And I was, I was so happy for them. Gotcha. And that they will definitely be okay. Gotcha. It's going to be a lot of hurt and pain. But they're going to be fine. They've got God with them. And they, they will nice. lean on him. But how many people at the end of their lives get to see the people that they love planning and going on with their lives? I see. Huh. To me, that was something most people don't ever get to see. No. And I feel blessed that God gave me that. Yeah. Because if you're running with a timeline of two months, that means April, May very well you're no longer with us exactly and so in one regard i'd be like you know like wait a minute you know that harsh reality of that the throat in the um that lump in the throat of like i don't get to see that fruition i don't get to see that because i'm already running with the idea of i'm not going to be here but you're looking at it is is that they are they're living life they are uh they're uh they're pursuing things that they love mm-hmm. and you that drives you that that encourages you the other side of it is would be well let's not talk about stuff 
in that regard because we don't want to hurt Diane. You know, because if Diane's running with the timeline, we let's not talk about months in advance. Let's talk about the here and now. And we, I, I find comfort in knowing and hearing them talk and going on with their lives. I found comfort because I said to myself, they're going to be okay. And while they were talking, I just looked up and I thank God. I said, thank you, God, for allowing me to have this experience. Mm. Diane is very rare in the fact that she's always putting others first. Gotcha. Um, it's pretty much always been that way as far as, you know, when, since I've known her. So for her to not say something, and she's done this many times, and I have chided her for it. <laughs> she will not ask for assistance, or she won't do something because she's afraid that it will impact me, and she doesn't want it bother me. She doesn't want me to be interrupted from whatever it is I'm doing, because I never stop, and she doesn't want to interrupt me. So um, Diane is a very caring person with regards to that. So for her to come to terms... And understand that we're going to move on. We're mm. going to be okay. Gotcha. Is important. Mm. Because um, she's always been like this. Gotcha. I mean, she intuitively knew she moved her trip up um, by a couple of months yeah. when my husband passed away in 2017. Something told her you need to be there. Oh. She took funeral clothes with her. She packed funeral clothes. She just knew that I'm go I was going to need see. this. And I knew Kelly was going to need me. I so, see. I see. you know, huh. it's that kind of stuff that she does. So this is really a big step for her mm. to understand and to see that everyone's going to be okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Goes on. Well, this uh, transitions because um, it's a it's a mind bender for me to have these conversations because in one breath we're dealing with like like a deadline, a timeline. And I don't like deadlines and timelines, just in generalities. If I have a deadline, I'm like, oh, man. Uh, and so I, in the mind bender is, is that God is so bigger than deadlines and timelines. I get irritated and upset and annoyed when doctors say, this is, this is how much time. Because, the, because God so much, he lives and operates out of, out of our timeline that it's sort of like, no, you know, there we in fact, we pray for, and we continue to pray for your healing Yes, because God, that's God is the God who heals. Mm -hmm. He does the healing of the body, but he also does healing of the heart. So, um, it's sort of like, no, I, I, in some way, the, the denial side of it is no, two months is not, that's, it's I'm not, not enough. It's not enough, and I'm not going to address it in my mind for you uh, because I don't want to address the realities of that because I live in the, the the faith place also that says six months, six months, six years, 60 more years. That's it's hard, hard for me. And, but I am not in your shoes, and I'm not in your shoes, but I continually pray for healing. and And so... That may be selfish and uh, more of a presumptuous, but that's just where I am. I don't think it's selfish. I keep praying to God for a miracle. Yeah. I have been blessed, hmm. Bob. I have survived it on three separate occasions, things that by all rights, I should not be alive. But it wasn't my time. It wasn't part of God's plan to take me. And I hold, I'm hoping there's one more. I ask myself jokingly. 
if you got one more miracle in your bag of tricks, I said, can you please bestow it on me? Mm. I said, I really need this. And I said, if not, I understand. And I'm excited to be with you again, God. And one thing that happens um, from both perspectives, uh, I just witnessed Diane going through this, and I went through this um, after Paul died as well. But what happens is that you're given that information, and you sit on it, and you have your initial reactions of, you know, fear, crying, desperation, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. But it's not real. And that realness takes a while to sink in. Diane has been here since September. October. And, October. And we, I just watched her. It hit her finally that she's dying. Mm. And the tears and the, the, the anger at that. Um, but it took that long after being diagnosed and given this terminal, this, this deadline, to have it sink in. And it was the same way with my husband after he was gone. I don't know, two months. And I stood there one night looking at some pictures and all of a sudden it hit me that he was really never coming back. Mm. But it took that long. Gotcha. Even in reality and going through everything, funerals, everything else, it takes that long to realize, you know, either I really won't be here or he's really not Not coming coming back. back. Yeah. You know, and that... That, I think, is a turning point, good or bad, I don't know. Sure, yeah. But it is a place where you finally accept it, I guess. Is where people say to have a good support system around you because of that reality is like, now where do you turn? Does it leave you pretty empty? Um, Does it leave you pretty crushing? You you turn around and you realize, this is my reality now. This is my new normal, if you will. It's a strange word, but... Now you look around and say, now where do I turn and what do I do with this this place? And that's where I went. And I'll be honest with you, Bob, it hit me like a ton of bricks. No. It did me too. I mm. cried and sobbed and Kelly just held me. And I said, I'm really dying. Mm. I really am. And until I said those words... I didn't accept it. Maybe I was still in denial, but I didn't accept it. But I realized I'm actually dying. And and I know the way my body is feeling. I even told my sister, I don't believe I have the time the doctor said I do. Because I know me, I'm tired. I'm, I'm in more pain. Um, this disease is really wreaking havoc on my bones. And... I never, I felt as long as I didn't accept it, it wasn't happening. Gotcha. And it hit me that evening, right here in the middle of our kitchen, that, yes, you are dying. And I usually go to my room, get in bed, cover up, and lay there and just cry. And I allow myself that time to cry and let that out and those emotions out. And I talk a lot more with Kelly now, and it really is therapeutic to to talk with someone and to have that support person. So she's not only there physically yeah. for me, but she's there emotionally for me as well. Which is the harder part? The physical exhaustion, the you know, the the doing for someone else. It's you know, it's different, and it's it's tiring, but. 
the emotional part of it is draining. Gotcha. It's it's really difficult to watch someone you love deteriorate. Yeah. As a parent, you know, when you watch your parents do that, it's one thing because yeah. it's widely accepted. Gotcha. Age, age before, yeah. you know, beauty or whatever. Yeah. You yeah. Know. But um, when it comes down to to um, actually doing it, it's it's tiring. Yeah, huh. it's it's difficult to watch. Well, and, it's difficult and to endure. As you mentioned, parent. So I'm raising two boys, and whenever they get hurt, or my oldest is maybe struggling or my youngest is struggling with something and it's big. It's a big deal. Um, maybe it's a hospital visit or maybe there is a mental thing that one of the, I want to take it from them. I want to be that one and say, if there's anything in the world that I could do, I don't want you to go through this. I don't, I want to take that pain from you. Mm-hmm. And to see someone in that pain is a, and there's nothing you can do for them is, is probably one of the, uh, Helpless feelings yes. is watching them in their pain, and there's absolutely nothing. When you get defensive, you get protective. You you yeah. want to lash out at the people who are are maybe perpetuating this yeah. pain in a oh, yeah. in a negative way that could be done better sure. or whatever. You know, you do. You get very um, sometimes hostile sure. about it. Hmm. You know, to protect them. And you own her. Can't you do any more? What what other yeah. options there are? What yeah. like. You know, it, she's in pain or she's going through this. What what more can we do? Mm-hmm. And then the end, end as that's the sad and harsh reality is when those words, we can't do anymore for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we can only make you comfortable. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not always even a comfort. It's, you know, they're, you know, they're, you feel like they can do more and they won't. I and see. So you get. You get hostile. Gotcha. I do. Yeah. And I have noticed that Kelly has become very protective of me. And she's my number one fan. Um, She's now speaking to the doctors and the right people to make sure things are being done that are to my benefit and that will bring me comfort. But the other thing you have to realize, too, is that this person isn't an invalid yeah. Like you said, she's still up and moving yeah. around and you yeah. know, um so you have to you have to allow that person to have that control too. Oh she yes. is an adult. She can yeah, do her own thing. I see. And so sometimes I overstep yeah. in a helpful way. Yeah. But she reels me in and says, yeah. <laughs> Ease up there, baby. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it's uh, multifaceted. It's yeah. really um a dynamic that I wouldn't shy away from if you're 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 posed with the the possibility. Okay. Um, what I've found is some of the greatest gifts in caregiving for someone you love. I don't know how it is for someone you don't love because I've never caregived for right, right. Given, I should say for that, but sure. Um, yeah, it just builds a bond that you're always going to have. Yeah. You know, a place where. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're always going to be able to say, "I I did it," you yeah. know, and I helped her through that journey, and it was worth every bit yeah. of it. And there's a a major buildup of trust. Um, I trust Kelly with anything and everything, Bob. Yeah. You build that trust up. You share those tears. Um, 
And of course, you know, I'm, I've always been a little spitfire. And I, always, I thought if I could just figure out what's going on with this disease, I could beat it. Like I do with cancer. Yeah. The hardest thing for me to accept was that there wasn't anything else that can be done for me. And you know what and she says? I'm like, this is cramping my style, Kelly. I don't want this. Yeah. But you know what she says? Hmm. I'm not worried about dying. I'm excited to die. But I'm worried about those I'm leaving behind and yeah. their discomfort, their sorrow. Gotcha. Again, looking at for someone else, looking yeah. after some for someone else. This has been a great adventure, but yet it's been a painful, but a, a journey. You said uh, the key words that I, I hope that echoes throughout everyone's ears is that you're not afraid to die. And in, in some regards, you uh, to be excited to die is a weird concept, but you where's the hope? then you know i think you already said it that you, this isn't your home right right the inevitable question is is that why would you be comfortable with dying in this realm that you live in now like i said before why wouldn't i be comfortable why wouldn't i be excited i'm gonna be with our lord jesus christ mm-hmm. why would i not be i am gonna be in heaven in heaven that's going to be my greatest adventure I take of my life. Now, I'll be honest with you. This process I've been going through sure. is much like a bad boat ride. Mm. But guess what? Right there. You're going to get, arrive at a port and hang out with Jesus. That's right. You're going We're to get going off to the sail boat. sail off yeah. into heaven together. Oh, man. In that, I, I could imagine that that is a place of peace that yes. you get. There's the fear of and all the processes of what if this is going to look like for the next couple of months and so on. But there's that that anchored hope. Yes. That he's and that hope is confident expectation. You you're already knowing he's taking you home. Right. Yes. He's he taking, told me God yeah. himself said, I will come for you one more time. Yeah. And I'm when when he told me that I came out of that coma coma. And after ripping all the tubes out, <laughs> um, I was smiling. And my daughter, I remember, was there. And she asked me, Mom, why are you so happy? I said, I met God. I spent my last few days here talking and spending it with God. I said, why wouldn't I be happy? Hmm. I said, I I know there is a God without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. And does that, Kelly, just like reassures you with however this ends, she's hanging out with you? Yeah, it's, it'll end well. I mean, and the big bonus for me is that I've got all these messages I'm giving her to, to relay to my husband. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I'm you know, excited for her to die. You know, so <laughs> you hit something that, that has been told to me and I it just uh, resonates right now is that you, you're going to have a good death. Yes. Because you know where you're going. Yes. That's well, that. That's having a good death. You know, we can have we can have a death, but what makes us a good death is that you've served your you've served and you've humbled your you surrendered your life to Jesus, and the good death is it's just a transition period for you. Correct. It's a graduate. Someone says a graduation and or whatever that you're moving from this temporary home to an eternal home. Exactly. This is. Um, this place of of our bodies just being a uh, a tent 
and we're just housing this temporary place. But and then they you, wear out. Yeah, wear out. Ugh, wears out. We all have an expiration date. Most of us honestly yeah. don't have the luxury of knowing when. Yeah, Things when that would be different if we did. Exactly, and I think it would. Uh, knowing that death date, you're right. I think we would live differently, and I think that is the removal of where our dependency on God is, because at any moment. Our body, he says, oh, that's it. Yep, you're done. Yes. You're done. And uh, at any moment's notice. Exactly. Well, Casting yeah. Crowns has a song, Scars in Heaven, and it talks about, um, it's, a, it's a, a gentleman losing his spouse, I'm assuming. And he talks about how she's, she's run her race. Mm. Um, and she's, you know, in, living in the sun with God now. And I just picture that, you know, that, that we still have our race to run here on earth. And we should run it as well as we can, you know, be encouraged by the discouragement of life because it, you're still alive. Yeah. You know, you get, you get to live one more day, but you also know that the, the, the place that you're going is, is final, that you get to hang out forever and you don't have to worry about, um, you know, your, your imperfections or your, your pain on earth. Hmm. It just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Huh. Wow. And it's, 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 it means a lot also to help someone through that journey. For me, it means a lot to be able to see her through this. And we've talked about her funeral and the plans. Yeah. And we just have so, so many fun things planned for that. Yeah. You know, that it, it's, you know, it is an exciting process, really. It's painful. It's sorrowful, but it has all the good the good makings of a, a, a good ending this this time. Yeah. And so, you know, it is it's a it's an honor to huh. be able to care for her. And yeah. I feel blessed to have Kelly in my life and I feel blessed because I know God brought her in my life for this purpose. Hmm. I couldn't have asked for a better person to care for me mentally, emotionally, physically, everything that goes into it. But I truly feel that God blessed me with Kelly being the one to walk with me through this adventure, mm. this whole process. And he gave us a lot of fun adventures. Yeah, yeah he sure did. And you know, and we're seeing it a lot. We gave us a lot of uh, fun adventures. There's still more to come. Yeah. Yes. You know, there is. There's. We're not rolling over in our 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 bed saying we're done. You know, up until the very last, there's going to be an adventure. Mm-hmm. It may look different. It may not be traveling to, I don't know, Antarctica or South, I don't know. St. Thomas. There could be, you know, who knows. But it's going to be an adventure. And even in that process, when that transition takes place, that that will be a great adventure. We won't be able to. We'll see it, but you get to experience it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes for for a lot of us who have a, a relation with Jesus, makes it a little bit envious is that you get to mm-hmm. finally get to go to the very place that Jesus already said, I've built a place for you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, the mansion, the, the um, place has many rooms. You get to hang out. We're, we're like, oh, man. Well, and the other thing too is that you get to go see a lot of people you've missed. Yeah. Yeah. You get to hang yeah, out. I'm looking forward to seeing my twin Dana. Oh, there you go. Uh oh. Yeah, I hope they don't hear that. And, well, <laughs> that's right. Well, well, I tell you what, um, I was going to finalize this uh, question 
uh, for us, but you already wrapped, you already said it, and is that uh, what would you like individuals to uh, capture? And I think you you've done that. You have expressed um, that core is if anybody's going to hear some things, I think they've heard it. Find the joy. Find the joy in everything you do. Okay. And look for adventure. Look for it. Absolutely. Life goes on. Don't don't be dormant. Even when the worst of news hits you until you get to a point where you know, like right now there aren't any more long trips and things. But you know we can still have adventure just by taking a walk. Yeah. Playing Yahtzee. Yeah. Yeah. I came in here and Yahtzee was already out, so you guys have already played it. In fact, oh, yes. um I will shake that I'll prove it. Oh, Juno has already heard it. There's a Yahtzee. And I'm going to roll it to see how I do for my only roll. Wouldn't that be crazy if I got a Yahtzee? No, but I almost got, I almost got a full house. I almost got a full house. I mean, a straight. straight. Yes. <laughs> see, look, we're already on it. All right. Well, uh, that, that's it where we are. And how are we going to get through this life as, as an adventure and how how we're able to see Kelly and, and Diane work through this this very sensitive, delicate, but obviously great adventure. I think we heard it uh, at the end where you place your hope and trust and whom you worship uh, will be a good indication of, of the solidified peace that you'll have while going through um, this process uh, is going to be key having a, a trust and faith in Jesus and the hope that that trusting confident expectation that he has a place for us. So uh, stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please, please do so share this with as many individuals. Can I say that Diana Kelly? Yes, I mean, uh, they, they, uh, this was very sensitive to me asking them to do this, but they are, are asking or at least allowing permission to please send this out to as many people because there are people struggling with this this process of dying and how to deal with it. And uh, they can probably find some comfort that what Diane's feeling and what Diane and what Kelly is experiencing, it's going to be resonating. So make sure you share it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. You guys want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Saddle up your horses
That was Steve Curtis Chapman off the album The Ultimate Collection, recorded off the YouTube Music Channel.